0: The Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast is sponsored in part by Holy Grail Clothing Company, an American lifestyle brand presented by the Regal Brand Incorporated. Discover high-quality handcrafted essentials from their collections for men, women, and children. Podcast subscribers can take 15% off their entire purchase with discount code That's HEARDTHAT15. That's heardthat one 5 when they shop the virtual retail store at HolyGrailClothingCompany.com. That's HolyGrailClothingCO.com. Holy Grail Clothing Company, wear your crown. I absolutely love doing volunteer service. I have met the most amazing people and some extraordinary kids as well. The cool thing that kids will always ask for when I am volunteering is books, if we have books available for them to take home because their passion and love for reading. There's an amazing author out there by the name of Trevor Romain who has such cool books for kids that are fun and awesome with simple stories that kids can relate to and parents as well. The Trevor and Romaine Company has a diverse collection of social and emotional learning resources to help children and their families become healthier, happier, and more confident. All heard that, listeners? If you go on trevorromaine.com today, you get an exclusive 15% off your complete order by using the code HEARDTHAT, HEARDTHAT15 at trevorromaine.com. Trevor Romaine, no E at the end of Romaine com today. What's up, Heard That Nation? Listening in the United States and around the world. This is the Heard That T- with Marisa tigney podcast. And if you're watching right there on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. You definitely want to today. Uh, I have him back on the show. You all have been blowing up my DMs, wondering when this guy was going to come back because some of you all did very well in your brackets in March. So he's back. Hopefully, you didn't pick Michigan. I mean, we're both Michigan fans. North Carolina fans, yes. you gave him a shout out because he wore a North Carolina shirt. Sorry, he is a Michigan fan through and through. So this is my amazing friend, talented broadcaster from Newark, New Jersey. He is a co-host. Of, if you have Instagram, we're going to talk about this amazing show that he's on with three other gentlemen. It's the Gentleman's Corner Live. It's on Instagram. You're definitely going to want to uh, click and follow these uh, four amazing guys. But Monty Moss is back in the building. We're going to talk about his journey, uh, broadcasting, uh, broadcasting journey. We're going to talk about uh, get into some sports things because he has been on top of it. He's—I'll uh, have him drop his social media handles as well. How uh, you can follow and stay on the up and up as far as uh, the, all the sports and everything that's been happening. So him and I have been talking back and forth along with some other people of the goings-ons in the NBA as well as college who. So we'll get into all of that, but let me welcome officially Monty Moss to the Heard That podcast. How are you, sir? Uh, First and foremost, thanks for having me back. It's
2: uh, always a pleasure when you can return uh, for a second time. And uh, (laughs) I know, you know, last time I was on was March Madness and both our brackets didn't do well, but um, it's
3: good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Here's the thing. You were very popular because of your brackets. Some people went along and pretty much almost had identical picks like you did. But you were popular for another reason, and it's because of your voice. I had people that truly enjoyed your voice and it asked me, does he do broadcasting? Does he do journalism? Is he a reporter? Is he, you know, on the TV? And I said, well, he will. Yes, yeah, it. remember his voice, remember his face, remember the name. Because I'm going to tell you this right now, we're already putting it out in the universe. Monty Moss, you will be winning awards uh, down the road. I know you will because... Uh, you have such a, an amazing talent for broadcasting, for your knowledge of sports and the game. So what I want to do, I want to dive right in because I did get people that were um, listening to the show the last time that are in journalism, that are in broadcasting, that want to take their talents uh, a bit further. And yeah. I I, wanted, I want you to share a little bit of how you became interested in doing uh, broadcasting, what inspired you, what your inspirations were. Um, to
3: go into the path that you were of uh,
2: broadcasting. All right, uh, that's really, really a long. There's no really short answer for it. Uh, I mean, the passion's always been there. I mean, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, it's always been my plan B. Uh, since I was in sixth grade, uh, my first time seeing that world, that that vision came. You know, I used to always watch Sports Center my grandma in the living room. And Stuart Scott used to always be the guy on the t v and you know he's go through his his promos his his snippets of you know what happened going down the highlights and whatever so watching Stuart, I was like man i really I really might want to do that and you know, I started to follow the business as I got older six seven grade grade and then going to high school, but Stuart Scott was that first guy, and one of the main one of the first actual broadcasters that I used to listen to was um Lundquist used to commentate for CBS he's now retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harden,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Those, those are those are probably the first two guys uh, that I started listening to. And I once I heard that, it kind of was a, an ongoing thing. And then, you know, you start bringing other guys like Mike Green and Mark Albert, uh, Dick Vitale, of course, the color commentary. But I was always listening to guys that were the voice to main guys yeah. of the play-by-play. And then that's when you bring, you know, you introduce other guys uh, like Tim Brando from fs one and Mm-hmm. Um, what's, uh, Gus Johnson from uh, FS1, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Buck and all these different guys with different formulas and different rhythms of how they commentate and for me it's like okay if basketball doesn't work for everybody out there that was my plan A that's what I would thought about in 6th grade I'm going to go to the NBA I'm going to play for a power 5 i make a lot of money that was my plan and then you know as I got older you know right after 8th grade I kind of figured like okay I'm gonna still stick with basketball 100% I'm locked in uh, but then, you know, this happened at Tor on my freshman year. And at the time my high school, I was a powerhouse. Um, we won back-to-back state championships in my sophomore and junior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right after my freshman year and, I, and that happened, I was like, there's just no way I'll be able to play on a varsity level. And of course your ego plays a part because you want to be the man at high school for playing whatever sport. And I just put plan on being a full perspective. How can I, how, what are the steps to go through this journey? What is it going to take? You know, what do I have to do? And, all the things of commentary and broadcasting. So that's when I put it in full effect and I put all my eggs in one basket. Uh, so for everybody there thinking, do I have a plan C? No. you know, it's, it's, I'm going to live and die for this and if it doesn't happen, I die trying. So uh, it's something that I try to tell a lot of people always have a plan B in life. You know, especially athletes because they think at that time in their mind, talent is going to get them out. They're going to mm-hmm. make millions of dollars and go to Alabama and Michigan and Ohio State. But doesn't always work out that way, so I would try to tell kids, no matter what sport they play, talented or not talented or not, you know, just have a plan B. You never know, an injury could happen, right. a life incident may happen, and your life does a 360 overnight. I mean, mm-hmm. here I was prior to me going to full into broadcasting. And basketball is my life, 24/7, 365. A U tournaments, workouts, uh, all these individual camps and all this stuff, trying to make a name for myself, trying to get through it. But there's millions of basketball players. How can I be different? I'm mm-hmm. uh, well, fast forwarding, I'm only five nine. Well, it's not that many good 5'9". It's not even that many besides Isaiah Thomas, who's you know been bouncing around the NBA. He's not there no more. So, I knew right away that talent wise, I was there. Skill wise, I'm I'm not a power five guy. Mm-hmm. I've been you know gifted to be able to shoot lights out. That was my thing. Uh, if I had to compare myself to a player in my time playing basketball, it'd probably be JJ Redick, Ray Allen. Those are the guys that patterned my game around. My point guard skills, I patted around Steve Nash. So I was never that basketball player where I'm crazy with the handles, iso ball, I can get to the basket. I was always one of those guys that runs the floor, spot-up shooter, can knock it down anytime, plays defense, can rebound, can run the floor, can space it out. And those things I applied. So uh, right away, like I said, broadcasting was what I wanted to do since sixth grade. Stuart Scott was one of those first guys. And those voices, Kevin Harlan, Lundquist, Tim Brando, all those guys hearing them. And I want to give a special shout out also to uh Brett Musburger. He's another guy. Cause every time I used to watch, if you guys don't remember, every Saturday ABC had college yes. football. Yeah. And me growing up, you know, USC and Texas. And every time, you know, he was on he was calling the game, mm-hmm. uh, it, it always would start, you are looking live here from blah 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 stadium here yep. in California or Alabama, Tuscaloosa, and hearing that was like. Guys. I'll take
0: it back. When he was on yeah. CBS, that was when I first heard him. Yeah. And going into yes. yeah the ABC. So, yeah, Brent Musburger yeah. was huge, and his voice just radiated when yeah. it came to games he, and captured amazing. every sports person's attention yeah. uh, uh, to the game that was playing, whether it be your team or not. I mean, yeah. Shout out to Brent, Brent Musburger, Absolutely.
2: I was, I was very fortunate to meet him out in uh, Vegas. He is uh, oh, now. Wow, really? He's now retired. Mm-hmm. TV networks, but he he works with the mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raiders. He's a voice of Raiders football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to meet him at, at, out in Vegas. He has a few casinos out there. Uh, but the the place that me and Tori Gurley, uh, NFL Network this uh, one former South Carolina alum, he uh, the casino that we're at was at hotel in it. But Musburger had like an interest in it or half owned or something like that. And I got a chance to meet him because he actually has his own network out in Vegas. It's mm-hmm. called a- AXS TV. Yeah. That's Vegas is ESPN, I should say. Uh they have all different type of sports networks and saying that they different guys employed by Brett in the company. So uh Brett's doing his thing. I gotta meet him. We talked for like thirty minutes. It was sort of like a, uh, I'm just taking as much knowledge it wasn't for him. And prior, you know, prior to the pandemic, I was supposed to go out there and shadow him for one of the Raiders games, you know, because it opened up this past season, but COVID right. hit and it didn't work out. So I wish I were the works now trying to figure out a date, you know, with the Raiders schedule, home game. I go out there and you know, just take notes from a legend.
0: That's awesome. All the people that you met, let me ask you this because um, do you, you know, you found your passion into broadcasting and you knew at an early age this is something that you want to do. So when you had your first opportunity to broadcast a game, what did you do to prepare yourself for it and, you know, just share any stories about, you know, you, how your nerves were or you just went in there and just, you know, killed it? <laughs> <laughs> how, um, how were you during the first time that you had that opportunity?
2: I mean, it, it's uh, it, I'll be wrong if I didn't give a special shout out to this guy, because this guy gave me my first. He made my bones. He gave me my first shot and he took a chance on me right. um, by the name of Mark Maven guys don't know Mark maybe is he is the president of WSOU radio station. It's on Seton Hall's campus. Mm-hmm. Uh so quick flashback prior to me going into broadcasting my junior year of high school uh there was a uh internship coordinator by the name of Deborah Co- uh, Cosby and she uh was setting up kids with interns in whatever field they were in. Mm-hmm. So she knew that I wanted to be in the world of sports or whatever and she had uh we had a Connection or partnership with Sein Hall University, and we went through the whole thing. So I remember, I remember my first time going there to Sein Hall campus. I know still today it's like ten minutes from my house, ten minutes from my house. But I remember going there for the first time because uh, I was always going to see Hall games prior to you know my freshman sophomore year high school. But now I'm going to the actual campus. See, what just this, this light this like campus level. like. So I went there. Um, I was there an hour before the meet the hour before the interview or meeting whatever, and uh, it, him and Mr. Frank. Uh, Mr. Frank was the is a VP of the radio station, but I met with Mark, Mr. Maven, I'm sorry. And I sat in his office and I laid out what I wanted to do and he made life really easy for me. And the, it was a radio station at the time, still is today, uh, 88, 80, uh, what is it, 88.9 WSOU, that's on National Airways. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can actually listen to it if you want, no matter where you are in the country. And he said, you know, I was the first, I'm very fortunate to say I, I was the first ever intern at seen hall university for the radio station prior to me there's been no other interns and prior after me there has been any interns i've been mm-hmm. the only one i'm the first black intern that makes it even more better and he took a shot uh he said you know you're still young and you're still trying to figure things out so we're gonna i'm gonna guide you slowly through this process yeah just follow my lead and from there um i was there all summer uh, I, I got the interview. I did the interview in like October, November of high school, and that summer I got started. But what was fortunate about it, what's what was so unique, what made it more special, prior to the summer of uh, my junior year high school, we set up we set up a agreement or arrangement with my school and Mark Maven and Sea Hall, where every Wednesday throughout the entire school year, I would go straight there. So I, my intern day started that next week uh, wow. following the interview. So that first, that next Wednesday was day one and mm-hmm. that was in November. And then every Wednesday prior until the end of school year, I was there, I was spending my Wednesdays there and every, every other Wednesday was something special, man. But he grew me into the business, teaching me the business, the aspects that go into it, because there's a lot of guys that come from C-Hall that are in the business now, like you know, Bobby from uh, ESPN who just retired. There's plenty of other guys that come from Sea hall mm-hmm. uh, It may not be like Syracuse broadcast where you have guys in the business all over, but right. uh, they have some guys in there. And he, he, I was a student of the game. I took notes every time I came there. And mm-hmm. uh, i never forget, he gave me my first opportunity. We worked out a thing where every half hour at the radio station, there would be a news anchor in another room. And then there was an actual radio station in another room. Mm-hmm. And I was in that radio station, and how each thirty minutes would go is the news guy would give an update on what's going on in City Hall, or weather, or what to expect, news, news around the world, or whatever. He would give that thirty minute. So, mm-hmm. what Mark Mr. Maven did for me was, okay, here's a sports guy. How do we include him in this time frame throughout the day on Wednesday? Yeah. So, I would get to the I would get to the I would get to the building. Eight o'clock sharp, sometimes there's 745. it's right down the street. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't leave that place until nine, ten o'clock at night mm-hmm. as a high school student. So I was constantly putting the work in every Wednesday, every Wednesday. So I worked out a thing where each half, top each, either half hour or top of an hour, it will be news. Right. And then here's a sports update with Monty Moss. Boom. And that was my thing. And so from there, what we did was it was obviously it's live. So we would take my recordings of me being live on on air radio every time and then after save it to a flash drive, listen, listen, what did I do right, what did I do wrong, how do I get better going into the next half hour? How do I get better going into next Wednesday? Mm-hmm. So it was something that was always unique. And on top of that, I was always challenging myself. Because one time I sent it out to um my godfather and I said, "Hey, I'll be on blah 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 radio station, top of the hour. Let me know what you think." Mm-hmm. Went on, he gave me my feedback, and from there it just kept kept rolling. And then as I started to go, my time span on air got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it got to a point where it's say "Hey, we'll we'll give you an hour, an hour live, you know, sports radio show where people mm-hmm. call in. I would chime in with the people. Here's what's going on around the sports world, injuries, score updates, whatever." And from there, I was just going hard, going strong. And I was still trying to figure this thing out because it's radio, not broadcasting. Right, right. But you have to go through different avenues sometimes to get to that destination that you want to get to.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. So from there, it kind of made sense. kind of made sense. And um, I just took advantage of the time that was given. I was first intern. I was live on radio at the age of 16, 17, which is insane. Mm -hmm. And... I'll be quite honest. When I first got on, I was garbage. I sucked. My, my delivery, my flow was garbage. I was rushing through. I was. I wasn't taking my time. Mm-hmm. I was garbage. Mm-hmm. But I, that was a motivation to myself. I got to get better. And right. by senior year of high school, was already rolling. So I mm-hmm. want to give special shout to Mark Maven. Uh, he's the guy who gave me my first shot. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the one talking about the business. He gave my first shot on air. And those guys I've seen all: uh, Michael Lovero, Angelo. Um, Clayton, Bree, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Frank, those guys all embraced me as family, and they took me in, and they taught me some of the things I know today. So I'll shout out to those guys.
0: So that's awesome that you had people that were there to mentor you, um, that believed in you, that gave you an opportunity, that saw something in you. So what would you say to the person that was pursuing um, such the avenues that you got to, whether it be you know starting a podcast, such as you know I have, or Uh, You know, doing a journey that you're on or somebody that is wanting to do broadcasting something, wanting to do journalism, but they just, you know, don't have that um, person or people that gives them that kind of encouragement and they want, they're at their end because like I said, uh, and we were talking a little bit before we came on, the last time you were on with, uh, on this, on this show and and those that were watching, uh, it was more to some of the people when I got the comments with, it was just about the brackets. It was your delivery about, you know, some of the teams that we broke down and everything. And it was amazing fun. And we did have a good time. Yes. But yeah. I had also people that were like, okay, he sounds amazing. How did he do it? How, you know, how does he sound so confident and everything else? So talk to those that want to do, or at this point, they, they're, they're questioning their passion into continuing broadcasting and journalism. Yeah. And just yes. give them some encouragement.
2: Well, first of all, I'm not where I want to be. You know, I appreciate
0: the yeah. love out there, the
2: comments, and I'm constantly putting the work in. Mm-hmm. Um, the best advice I can give is like, for me, it's different because it's something I always wanted to do as a plan B when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this business is not for everybody. Uh, this business is very tough. Got to have thick skin because I I still am receiving a lot of no's, but I'm also using that as fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, being a broadcaster. Isn't easy. There's a lot of developing up to do. There's a lot of maturity up to do. There's a lot of sacrifice you have to make. And that's what anything you do. Yeah. Um, But the best advice I can say is this you have to ask yourself, is this something I want to do for the rest of my life?
3: Mm -hmm. Am I willing to
2: accept what comes with it? And it's a a mindset where it's you versus you. And you got to be ready to do it because if you're not going to be able to take on what comes with it, Mm -hmm. then this isn't for you. And it's very, it's very, very challenging at times. Trust me. Um, but if it's what you love as a passion, and it's something that comes from your heart, then you'll have no problem with it because you're, it's something, it's, it's you're chasing something. I'm yeah. chasing, I'm chasing something to get to where that next step or where I want to be. For others, it may be something that they want to do for fun. You know, mm-hmm. like for example, you know, at, at my college, uh, one of my uh, assist, one of my play-by-play guys, my color commentary guy. He was only doing that for fun. So when you put someone in a booth or in, a, in a, on on air with someone that wants to do this in life, wants this to be his career, and you try to partner him with someone that's doing it for fun, it doesn't mix. Yeah. Uh, so it go, there's a lot of elements that go into broadcasting. You know, you got to be prepared. You got to be
3: smart. You got to
2: mm-hmm. get homework. has to be done. Your PZQ has got to be done. Your preparation. Preparation is biggest key for
3: me. Mm-hmm. and The best
2: advice is be ready what comes with it and ask yourself this is something that you really want to do, because I'm not where I want to be, and I've took a lot of no's, I've took a lot of bad things, but I'm sticking to the script and I'm staying in my lane and I'm doing what's what's possible, what's necessary for me to get to that next level. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't want to do that, and not many people want to hear that. So, look, I come from where I don't really have, when I first got cracked in the business trying to get a name for myself, I didn't have no resources, I didn't have the contacts, I didn't mm-hmm. have I was trying to figure it out. But there's other people out there that have already have the resources, already have the tools at their hand where they can get that push. Mm-hmm. I'm working to get that push so
0: mm-hmm.
2: I can get my shot. But uh it, it's fun. For me it's fun. I love it.
0: I mean I think the key thing them, I think the key thing you said, Monty, I just want to go back to, to what you're saying because you're dropping a lot of of gems and, and what you have been saying. But I think the big thing is for people that, and this isn't anything in life, and I think you mentioned it uh, in the snippet that I put on my IG uh, that got a lot of comments about it, is that people, the important thing is to prepare and to put in the hard work. Because if there's something that you want to pursue, and something that you want to do, you have to put in the work. And I think the big thing is what you said is when you were going to campus, and you started at some time in the morning, and then you didn't get out till like six, seven, eight o'clock, and you were still yeah. a high school student. So you were balancing being a student, doing what you love, passion, and, yeah. you know, and trying to balance so, it. Oh, while you're trying to, yeah. you, know, you know, there's going to be and, nights where you don't get to sleep, you don't get to rest I, because yeah, yeah. you know you're eating and sleeping and dreaming and working so hard yes, towards yes. perfecting uh, yeah, your yeah. passion. Yeah, there's been a lot of
2: sleepless nights, especially one of the worst parts about being in high school and doing it was if I had a test to do Thursday throughout whatever day during class or during the day of school, some Wednesdays, I wouldn't be able to, I would have my school stuff at my desk on the side.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, let me study for this bio test coming up tomorrow. But I could never get to it because I'm always, I am always always have notes in front of me from this game, that game, that game, that right. game, that game. So, I never got a chance to do it. So, there are a lot of times where I would go into, you know, tests if I had a test on Thursday. Like, I know it, but now I'm going to have to depend on my knowledge to get me through this test and pass. And, Is pass? Like, <laughs> some, some of them I did. Some of them I, I was very fortunate <laughs> to get retakes, to get doovers. Right. Because, uh, you know, my teachers knew that Wednesdays I wasn't in school. I wasn't in the building. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be in the building school all day. I was going to be at C Mall. And, and that was that. But, you know, going back to your question when you said being my first time being on air you know my first time being on, on national airways, as far as a radio concern wasn't really nervous because it's something that i was preparing myself to do prior mm-hmm. to me getting to that internship so okay. it was sort of it was sort of in my mind you know when i got the word saying hey monty you're going to be on top of the hour after michael is done be ready uh right. and in my ear i would have I would listen to uh, Michael because he's right across the glass. I can physically see him deliver the news and the updates or whatever. And then right before he was done, he would give me a signal. He would point to me. And then I have I have uh, someone in my ear saying, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as he's finished, boom. Now it's like, hey, my here. What is your last WSOE sports update? I get right into it. Right. So I was ready. But answering your question, my first time broadcasting the game was very, very – had a lot of different mixed emotions i mean i could remember it was my that whole junior year i worked like a dog at the radio station and eat sleep breathe see all mm-hmm. uh and that's how i started formulations with the basketball team the coaches and so me being on campus for school because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with that environment during the summer but during the summer just not no really one there but either guys come in there do classes one or one or two classes are gone by 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 noon and athletes, basketball was there, you know, incoming in, early, you know, incoming guys moving in, doing summer class. So I was around the basketball guys a lot of times, the practices and the walkthroughs and all that stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. So for me, as a basketball junkie, I was getting the best of both worlds. Here, here I'm doing what I love to do during the summer, grinding on a radio station. And then, boom, right after I'm done, I can go chill with the fellas. And these are older guys. So these are guys that are taking me under their wing, uh, telling me, things to look out for as I go through my senior high school or as I go through college. So I got all that stuff early. And then from there, it was just waiting on that moment. So, you know, my first shot, it was a women's basketball game. Steve Hall played St. John's at home. And that week, I guess luck plays a part in this, but mm-hmm. it's whatever. So that, so as, as people may not know, student at uh, student, student, students that work for the, for the university that call games, there, there, there's a whole different type of dynamic we have to go through.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I'm not going to say it's a tryout, but they already have their guys set prior to the start of fall semester.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: how it goes is they have their set broadcasts for women's basketball, men's basketball, all the sports that are covered throughout different seasons. They have their yeah. their people. There are a lot of people. So, for basketball, Seton Hall is a Division I school. It's on you know national television a lot of times. So, they probably have six to eight guys that are set or wow. even four to six and mm-hmm. you have your two your two best guys your heavy hitters that are have all the big marquee games so yeah for example all the big games like Hall versus villanova Hall versus marquette Hall versus georgetown all the big games that are going to get a lot of people and maybe people out there don't know Hall plays at prudential center prudential center is home of the new jersey devils that place fits about 10 to 14,000 people. Mm-hmm. So, if you imagine if you get a home game, St. Hall versus Villanova, knowing the rivalry at potential Center, sold out game. You want to have your best two guys on that game, Paul. Absolutely. Games. So, because you'll have your, your your FS1 crew that's mm-hmm. nationals, and then St. Hall has a a also a lot. You can hear it live through the radio station, or you can hear it live. You can actually see it visually live through mm-hmm. uh, WSOUPirateNet.com. So that's mm-hmm. actually another live thing where students on campus or people at home that may not be able to catch it on FS1, you can catch it right there on Pirate Network and you can mm-hmm. actually see as if you were, you know, live at the game. So uh, for me, it was my it was the first women's game. But the week before, uh, I had a meeting with Mr. Maven. He called me to his office. And I, for me, that's like going to the principal's office. So I'm like, what happened? What did I do? Maybe it's about me being on air. I got to fix it up. I got to get better. Yeah. He said, look, you know, we're short on,
0: because it just was
2: like, I think it was right after, their, right after their preseason schedule. It was probably like the second or third home game just or to start the year. And he said, one of our guys is, is
3: he can't do the game. Mm-hmm.
2: And we have a color commentary guy for you already. But, you know, if you're interested, you can call the women's game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And for me, that's like, I just got my golden ticket to the chocolate factory. Let's go. Yeah. And, you know, a week before, so I had a week to prepare. I had a week to ask a ton of questions to be prepared, but I already knew what, what I was prepared to do. So within that week, and I was uh, – school was, like, to the side. Like, I'm locked in. Here, here mm-hmm. we go. This is the moment. And I got prepared with seeing all last year, all the numbers of stats, the team they're playing, they have played. Got doing with them, the coaches, how long the coaches have been there, assistant coach, the old staff, the SID, all that stuff, team president. Right. And I was locked in all the way. So right before um, – Right before tip off, I got to because uh, the game that day the game was on a what's it, it was Thursday or mm-hmm. it was on a Thursday because the mm-hmm. men's played that Wednesday so that Thursday the women's played and I left school right after school I went straight up to the scene hall and right. tip off I think was that game was seven o'clock uh, tip off time I got to see hall four o'clock that's three hours before tip and I got organized I got my notes ready. And we had, you know, how it goes is you have a a uh, production meeting before every broadcast. That's how it mm-hmm. works. And within that production meeting, you go through teams. What you know, what's going to be on set on air? Like for example, like here during this TV, during this TV timeout, is you put in this promo. Boom, guidelines to read while you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, had a production meeting. right after that. I went over to my partner and I said, "Listen, um, thank you for allowing me to be in the seat with you tonight." Mm-hmm. Uh, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. Right. And from there, you know, I had all my I had my notes ready. And as as time is getting towards seven o'clock, I am getting more nervous. I getting more nervous. And then right before thirty minutes, that six thirty mark, you go through all the lighting, the, the audio checks. Uh, you go make sure everything is set up so when that camera's on, you're rolling and you're next to your broadcast partner, and it's it's game time. That we're live. I'm welcome in everybody. blah, blah. and And right. from there, I'm like. I'm built for this. Let's work. So, right, right before that thirty-minute stretch before going on air, that's when I was like, all the jitters were gone, and it was like, this is my moment. Let's make the best. You were night. you immediately went into the zone. Yeah, yeah. But prior to that, I was like, damn, this is it. Am I gonna be ready? I can't mess up because there's a million different things going in when you first do your first your first game broadcasting. But once once that bright light came on and 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 we had a, a mic in our ears, like all right, thirty seconds, fifteen seconds, uh, and seven o'clock hit, boom. We're live. When I was locked in, ready to go. It, it, it and was, it was an amazing experience. But like I said, after the game, I didn't get home probably to like 1230, almost one o'clock. I got the game. I got that game footage, put it on, and I took notes like immediately after the game. How did I do? Mm-hmm. OK, I, I shouldn't say that during this minute. Let me go back. And so I know next time. And right after that, things got rolling. So I was fortunate enough to call some women games for them. I was fortunate enough to call some men's basketball games. Not the big ones. I wish. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It, it, as a broadcaster, it's just different mm-hmm. being in an arena with a sold-out crowd, Right. the fans, the voice, the the the, the timeouts, the the six, the ten o runs, and the place going nuts. The defense mm-hmm. chance
0: and the energy, yeah.
2: It's the energy—it's just a—it's a different vibe. But you know, when I first when I realized that I'm in the right business, it was uh, a home game. Yeah, of my senior year high school. It was uh, seat Hall. Versus market at home, and that place was probably ninety-five percent sold out. And I could remember me, of course, being prepared, always following behind Kevin Harlan, following Bonley's broadcast. How they put in the work prior to a game. I got to the arena three hours before tip. I got my suit in my bag and ready to go. And I'm just—I can remember sitting, standing
3: at half court
2: before the fans gets just taking it all in of what's about to happen this is my first, my first time calling the game at, at, at the Prudential Center. So I had to factor all that in. And it was a calm before the storm. And like I said, being prepared, having all my notes ready, going through everything twice before tip. And then once cameras came on, once everything was rolling, it, 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 was, it, was, it was ruckus. And it turned mm-hmm. out to be a good game. Somehow all did wind up winning. There was a lot of amazing dunks. Places yeah. going nuts. Like, that feeling, being in that chair, being with that headset on, mm-hmm. feeling the energy. It's one thing to be a fan
3: mm-hmm.
2: watching the game yeah being a broadcaster, calling the game and having all that that circus around you it's a different feeling, and that's when I knew it was like, okay, I'm in the right business, let's keep working and uh from there i you know I worked through my senior high school and mm-hmm. I was factoring everything else, but seeing all was a priority for me and uh I wrote it out, so I mean broadcasting's fun and it's something I love to do and I'm willing to be like one of those guys where I'm like ninety years old still on air uh, but it, <laughs> it, it it
3: took a long time,
2: yeah. For me to be how I am with my delivery, as far as my voice, what to say, what not to say, my tone, how do I mm-hmm. deliver, it took mm-hmm. me a long time to get it right, and it's still not right because you got to you got to mention that we've been in a pandemic. That means you know no, because I go to a Division three school now, so there was no basketball season, so that's a year off from not commentating.
3: Right. But
2: here's where I made a difference: that I was still doing live shows or whatever, keeping myself busy, keeping my mm-hmm. vocabulary growing,
3: mm-hmm. and then from there,
2: I would literally there'll be some college games that come on, not college games, some, I will go back and watch old games. Games I never saw before. Because mm-hmm. um, at the time, March Madness had their YouTube thing where they would replay old tournament games, old games in general. Yeah. So I would literally say, okay, this North Carolina versus Gonzaga game, 2017 National Championship, this game is on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. By March Madness. Okay. I'm going to act like, I don't know what happened. I don't know the outcome. I don't know who won. And I will literally take two hours or an hour and a half, my usually daily two-hour prep time, mm-hmm. prep the game as if I was calling it, getting everything in order, and then I would literally sit in my room with my headset on right, and call that game as if I was there in the arena at the, at the Final Four calling it. And that kept me busy during during pandemic, too, and okay. it kept me right. And um, It's really tough. There's a lot of different metrics you have to get
3: right. Yeah. Uh, it's not for everybody.
0: No, I, I, I think that it's just absolutely amazing. And, you know, what I'm so excited about is going into the winter sports that we are going to have basketball. And college basketball throughout, there has been some major changes, especially in the coaches uh, yes. that you and I have talked about. it. we've seen it, you know, breaking news happening uh, every so often. And the latest breaking news, of course, is the retirement of uh, – Coach K from Duke, this will be his, re- this last season that he has coming up and, yes. you know, his kind of his little coach's retirement tour that people are already uh, calling it. So of all the different changes, and I believe there's been over 30 something coaching changes that's happened uh, from the end of not even just the end of March Madness. It happened within the, the realms of March Madness. I think the one being uh, Rick Richard Bettino, uh, leaving Minnesota or parting ways from Minnesota. And then all of a sudden, 24 hours later, he's now the head coach in New Mexico. But yeah. there's so many different coaches, different changes, either the retirement or no longer with the team, or they got a yeah. better opportunity. Uh, you know, Shaka Smart being one of them that I could think of that left Texas and is now at Marquette. And now Chris Beard is taking over Texas, still in the state of Texas, yeah. but left Texas Tech for better opportunity with Texas. Looking yeah. at the uh, list of coaches, what is the ones that jump out to you that you think, okay, this particular coach is going to take this program and make it so effective now?
2: I think for me, the, the top two that, that really stick out to me is is Coach Williams at North Carolina and Coach K at Duke. Um, and the reason why I say that because these are the top two out of all the changes that has happened uh, with, since March Madness has ended. These are top two uh, highly succeeded programs that do well every year and win national championships. I mean, for example, when you take Coach Shire, who's going to be the next Duke head coach after Coach K is gone after this season, uh, those are
3: big shoes to fill.
2: And those two jobs, those two places, those two coaches are very hard shoes to fill. I mean, no disrespect to any of the coaches like Coach Beer taking over Shock Smart in Texas, but here you have Duke North Carolina, of course, one of the top two most winning programs in college basketball. And
3: mm-hmm. yet, there are
2: two legends that have been at these programs twenty plus years. Yeah. You know, no matter no matter who's coming in, you have to meet those expectations and you have to deliver. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the, the only advantage is that Coach Davis at North Carolina, he gets to start right away, Coach Shire has to wait a year before him taking over. But the beauty of it is with Coach Shire's situation, he has another year to learn from Coach K enjoy the moment, enjoy the process, because it's the last dance for Coach K before he retires. Mm-hmm. And he gets to, 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 to go through it again to be the best possible associate coach as he possibly can. Right. And on the other hand, when you take Coach Davis, here's a guy that's been with Coach, coach Williams for over 10 years on the staff, mm-hmm. has went through all the good seasons, bad seasons, national championships, recruits and all those things. So he knows the aspect of the game. He's a former player at North Carolina, so that makes it a little bit more better, and on top of that, here he has, he's an older guy, he's been around the game a long time, and when you take a guy like that, who's been more experienced, who knows the game of basketball, that knows how to recruit kids, who knows how to go into a home and, and have that special feeling, that special bond with a parent, a, a athlete's parent, that's incredible, so I'm kind of curious to see how Coach Davis does, he does have an excellent staff, he put together all of them are former North Carolina guys, which makes mm-hmm. sense, uh, but there's difference when you are with a legend, mm-hmm. learning from a legend, going through those phases, and then it's, a, it's it's
3: totally different
2: when you're actually in that seat and you have to deliver to 12 other guys in the locker room. And I'm pretty sure he's excited. I'm excited to see how he does. But on the other end, when you take Coach Chiara, here's a guy that's a former Duke player. He's now been at Duke since his playing days because he won the national, national championship in 2010 with that Duke squad, tried to go through the NBA rankings got injured in a summer league game playing for the Miami Heat, thinking that, you know, he came out with a video during his press conference that he thought he was going to team up with Braun and D Wade Chris Bosch that summer going into the season. Got injured. That didn't work. And right away Coach K, you know, helped him out. Try you know, had an overseas career. that, you know, didn't play long. But Coach K brought him back in and groomed him for these last eight eight years, which would be the ninth year this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. But he's a forward player. He knows Coach K better than anybody. He's been in those no timeout huddles with Coach K. And he's, it's been eight years of him learning the game, what to do in these different types of situations, film, uh, how do you run a practice, things to execute in practice. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So these are things that Coach K has prepared John, Sh- Coach John Shire for, and it's his moment. Uh, but he has one more year to learn everything else, get everything out, and and it'll be his time. But when you have a guy like Coach K at your disposal at any time, uh, it's hard for you to lose. So. There's a lot of expectations. I know with Coach Shires at his press conference, there's a lot of things he has to do, but he just has to enjoy the moment, enjoy the struggle, because it's beauty in the struggle, yep. and be prepared for what comes with it as being a head coach of Duke. And Coach Davis. the same thing as being a head coach of North Carolina. So uh, those two really stick out to me. And like I said, there's no disrespect to any other coaching change that has happened, but mm-hmm. when you take the two top schools, there ain't no other school that's coming in the mix to say, hey, this is going to be over these two schools. So uh, coach Davis at North Carolina and Coach Shire at Duke, those are really two changes that really stick out to me. And right. like people be out, people out there say, "Oh, I don't, I don't agree with this coach change. Or I don't agree with Coach Davis taking over because there were a lot of names that were filtering around both of these schools. I mean, for mm-hmm. example, like Duke, they were saying Brad Stevens, and then you know people try to put it together like, "Oh, Brad Stevens stepped down from coaching job. He's right. going to take a front office job with the Celtics. Oh, Coach K has one more year, so once he retires, and Brad will be the guy. Like, they already skeptical. I heard
0: that theory right. too. Yeah, yeah, I, I think and, too for me. I think what's going to be, it's huge, and uh, I don't mean to cut you off, I think it's that the big factor is that fans have to realize that there may be a struggle. Duke, you're not going yeah. to win possibly a bunch of games, you know, next year. North Carolina, you possibly may not win a bunch of games next year. Yeah. I think those programs, those top-notch programs that are used to always automatic bids to the 68 tournament, automatic ACC tourney, Big Ten tourney, all of that. They got to realize, too, that there will be some struggle happening with your program. Now, could it be where you get that coach that's going to go in and just blow the roof off and, you know, have a streak no. of wins? And then, I mean, yeah. that's that's a that's a diamond in the rough. That's a rarity. But man yeah. has got to take a step back and just realize, you know, with changes, uh, change is going to take place. And I was going to ask you, too, with all the different coaches that are coming through, who do you think is the coach that got hired to? their program that has a lot of work to do. And my, the one that comes to mind too is the Indiana University program. Archie Miller, yeah. basically yeah. With, those, with those young men there, it, it was a train wreck. It, 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 was, yeah. it was absolutely horrible. And I think Mike Woodson coming back to his alma mater, I think, I think that it was a great hire for Indiana. Um, and I think he's gonna do something special with that program. What, what's your thoughts on on who you think has got a lot of
2: work to do with their program? Well, Indiana was one of the name, one of the names I had on there because, of course, you know, Coach Woodson is walking into a big pile of mess that he has to clean up, mm-hmm. and that won't happen overnight. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll definitely have to change the culture again. Uh, but another destination that sticks out to me is Marquette. Uh, we think about the coach, you know, Wojnowski. He's one of he was one of Duke's assistants under the coach K. Tree that mm-hmm. left Duke to take the head coach job at, at Marquette. and Marquette has been, has fell off these last three, four years. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Big East. I love the Big East. Uh, that could be being biased due yeah. to my roots with C. Hall and Villanova. But, you know, when he first got the job, Marquette had a lot of success. You know, they were, they were, they were in making that deep run in the Big East tournament. They were in, this, they were making a tournament, a Silly tournament, making that, trying to make that run. And they had some good players come through. But these last two years, and the same thing, like you said, with Indiana, it's, it's just been, they just haven't turned that corner to take mm-hmm. the programs to the next level and right. i love what is doing he's starting right away he's getting guys uh you know some transfers that's come to texas over to marquette he's recruiting and and he's staying home recruiting some guys there so mm-hmm. both those programs had a lot of work to do but you know in the end of course with with the culture and the success that it has the expectation is a little bit higher than marquettes but mm-hmm. both of those guys have a lot of work to do and I'm kind of curious to see, and, and the same thing with with Coach Beard at, at Texas. I mean, look, he's he brought Texas Tech to a, a Final Four. No one even probably predicted that would happen at that time. You know, them losing to Auburn. Uh, but I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see him try to elevate Texas to a certain degree. Also, I mean, no disrespect to Shark Smart, but so Texas hasn't been to what I guess. Texas expectations as far as the fans or Agreed. people that live there. You know, it's the same thing with with, with their football program, but it takes time. Do I mm-hmm. think Chris Beer, Coach Chris Beers is the right guy for the job? I do. His resume is, is well, well written. I think he deserves the job there. And it's an elevation in, in, in his coaching career. Mm-hmm. So when it is when an elevation in your coaching career, now you have to elevate that program that you coach for.
3: Mm-hmm. And that
2: comes with a lot of territory. And I want to give a special shout
3: out
2: to uh, my guy. He's, he's a the former assistant coach at Kansas, he's now under Chris Beard's staff, uh, Coach Howard down there at Texas. Hook him, and he's excited to get to work. And I'm I'm happy for him and his family, and uh, I can't wait to see uh, what what these three programs do going into the season. Like I said, change will happen overnight, but it's hard to change the culture. And you know, going back to that North Carolina thing with Coach Davis, with him starting right away, mm-hmm. those players that are returning, such as Ari Davis, you know, such as. Um, other other guys, I can't remember the like Kale Love, the guard there. These are all guys that are returning. So, for them, how is the yeah. transition going to be from being with Coach Williams their first year, now transitioning to Coach Davis and his culture and his mm-hmm. system? You know, how is he going to have those guys buy in to what he's trying to preach to the players? Mm-hmm. You know, how is he going to maintain the locker room? Because these players have been under Coach Roy Williams. We know Coach Roy Williams, how he is as a coach, he's, yeah. he's respectable around the business. But now, when you throw a guy like that, first year head coach, into the mix, Our play, how players are going to treat him. How is, how is the message and delivery to the players? How is he going to rub off
3: on him? Yeah. Can
2: he have those 12 guys ready to run through a brick wall?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: as a coach, you got to be able to do that for your players. And uh, I, like I said, those are all four places that I'm kind of curious to see happen because all these four guys, this will be their first year coaching in these new destinations.
0: Some a couple of coaches to watch for for me is Porter Mosser, who put Loyola Chicago on the map in the tourney. Um, he now is at Oklahoma and shout out to brother of Denzel Valentine, Drew Valentine, taking over as yes. coach, yes. He's the first black coach yes. to take over that program. The Sister Jean, yes. uh, people yes. uh, don't Big. remember Sister Jean, that is uh, pretty much the everything of that program. And so I, I'm well, people, rooting, I'm rooting for me. them. I'm rooting for them yes. uh, in their new endeavors. So rooting for uh, Drew Valentine and uh, Porter Monster there in Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What people don't know is that Drew Valentine was the assistant there for these last five years mm-hmm. at the school. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember when the for it broke, someone was like, well, where did he come from? Why did he deserve a job? I'm like, he's been with the staff for yeah. five, years, five years. Five plus years under this umbrella. You, for me, how I feel, these coaches, like Coach K, there's a feeling that comes when he knows it's time. Roy Williams, he knows when it's time. And you make mm-hmm. that decision when you, your family, it's time. But during that process, when you have somebody on your staff for a certain amount of years or whatever, you kind of have a feeling on, okay, this guy's going to be a great head coach someday. Yeah. Uh, like, for, like, for example, um, my brother, uh, Mark High Strickland, he plays for St. Louis. He got recruited by Coach Travis Ford's nephew, uh, Stu Ford. Mm-hmm. Recently, a you know, guy out to his family, Stu Ford, had died of about a month or two ago. Um, I don't want to get into details of how he died, but yeah. Coach Travis Ford said he would be a great coach someday.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's always in the, he's always the first one in the building, last one leave. Guys like that, you, as a head coach, you see this guy has a potential to be a head coach. This guy has a potential to lead a program. And I'm pretty sure with these changes, especially with Coach Shire, you, it's a feeling you get knowing that I'm going to give the keys to you. Yeah. Are you going to be ready to drive this car? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it, guys like that, it, it it it's it's a timing thing also, but it's mm-hmm. also as a head coach knowing that I think this guy is ready to ready to be a head coach, ready to lead a program, ready to lead players. Now let me groom him. And last eight years for Coach Dyerman, I the guy's been won a national championship as a player, mm-hmm. won a national championship as a, as assistant coach, and now it's like it's your turn to lead. And yeah. it it it's, it's crazy. I'm not a Duke fan, but I'm excited for him because. Mm-hmm. It's something that these coaches dream of. Yeah, coaching at a power five, coaching at a top school in the country, coaching in general. But mm-hmm. when you get that shot, you got to be able to knock it out the park. Because oh, absolutely, we we remember in those early Coach K days when Duke was a mess. Those guys
0: wanted him out immediately. Immediately, oh yeah. And that just people forget that. People forget about fan that. Fan. They always think about the successful runs that he had and the titles yeah. that he's won and the ACC tournaments and the ACC titles. They don't think about. How he was in the struggle to, man, to build he, that, due to what it to what it is yeah. and to what it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that Jay Billis, that Jay Billis <laughs> class, that squad there was really special. It kind of helped turn mm-hmm. the corner. And then the wedding started to come in, you know, with Leitner and, and Hawkins and all that stuff. Grant Hill. Then that, that came later. But prior to that, man, that guy was going through hell, man. So I'm happy for Coach Shire personally. i I'm, I'm excited to see what he's gonna do. And I know this is his time, this mm-hmm. is his moment. He has mm-hmm. a year. Oh, when is your turn? Be ready, and Coach Davis, same thing, man. I know you're ready to go, and all these other new head coaches that are going to be first year guys mm-hmm. at new universities, just change the culture, yeah. make it impact, and make your presence felt. Mm-hmm. And from there, you just take all what comes with territory.
0: I gotta tell you, the, the the basketball has just been enjoyable since last season, and I'll include the NBA in it. and in the postseason for me has been just awesome to watch, and the teams that are in it. Uh, people can debate all they want to of uh, the teams that are currently in it, still in the Eastern and the Western Conference. Uh, but yes. I, I, I think they deserve to be there. Um, they are doing their thing. The, I'm so, just so impressed with these matchups that are happening. You got Utah and the Clippers coming up. Clippers eliminated the Dallas Mavericks. All the Dallas folk here is in mourning and in sadness right now because of it. You got Hawks and 76ers. You got the Bucks and Nets. And you got Nuggets and Suns. Um of yeah. all of those matchups, Monty, which one stands out to you and give me your two picks of who you think is gonna end up in the finals.
2: Wow, throwing me on a hot seat already. Um <laughs> it, 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 I gotta ask that question a lot, and I haven't gave my answer yet because it's too early for me to call. But mm-hmm. as far as matchups, I mean I'm loving I'm loving game. Well, I'm only going on game one. Hawks and six was a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh Hawks did win on winning 128, 124. Uh, another series that I really like that's going to be really interesting to me is Utah and, and the Clippers. I mean, when you take, of course, you have Donovan Mitchell, uh, the leading scorer, their, leading, their mm-hmm. leader uh, on the court on both ends of the floor. And now you take a defensive mechanism, presence of Kawhi Leonard, and you yeah. throw that on Donovan. It's it, it sort of asks the question of who, who else can step up and deliver uh, mm-hmm. I, I do believe Jordan Clarkson will have a great series. This game, this great series, this coming because six man a year. This guy can score the ball. He's excellent. He's a former Laker, and it's something where these other guys have to step up, and they're going to be challenged. Now Rudy Gobert has to step up. Now Mike Conley has to step up. Now Joe Ingles has to step up. Now Jordan Clarkson, the bench has to step up. So when you put a guy like Kawhi on Donovan Mitchell, which we will see throughout this series. And you take away that twenty-eight points a game, and you cut that in half, or maybe you take away his presence on the offense. end, now, when you have a quiet on that, now who else can deliver right. around his supporting cast? And that's something that we'll have to see. But as far as that seventy-sixers uh, and Atlanta Hawks series, I mean, look, Trey Young, special talent. This guy just delivers on all, and he's taken on
3: that villain role. Yeah, uh, if you go embracing back, embracing to- it. Yeah, if you
2: go back to the Knicks series, I mean, him and the guard. That was a great him, series. Channing all different types of things out him. That
3: was a great call series.
2: Him, call him that, but he's embraced it. He's used that fire and he's delivered. So uh, I think uh, this Philly series probably going to go six. I'm going to take sixes and six. Mm-hmm. And as far as the finals, I mean, look, my ego wants the Bucks to beat the Nets, but my mind is saying the Nets will make the playoffs. Well, make the finals. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. and then on the West it's kind of like anybody's game it, it could be the Clippers it it, it could be there's not really a guarantee everyone's saying on the East guarantee it's going to be Brooklyn my top two picks for the finals are either going to be Brooklyn or Philadelphia but if Milwaukee gets past Brooklyn somehow Milwaukee will be there in the finals mm-hmm. and then on the West it's kind of like anybody's it, game anybody's
0: game. game exactly
2: the competition on the West has
0: always been challenging always
2: yeah. been uh, uh, hard notes even first round, second round, conference and and even the finals has always been the West always give you a run for your money, but I'm I'm really curious to see how Phoenix does. I do have them getting to the finals out of the West unfortunately. Um shout out to the Clippers cuz I don't like you guys or your fans. Uh, but uh, I, I like my dark horse is going to is going to be the uh, is going to be the Suns for sure because those guys the, what they did against the Lakers and I'm a Laker fan has just been incredible Chris Paul He just has those guys. Mm -hmm. The culture is different. Monty Williams, of course, well-deserved Coach of the Year. Well-deserved. He has he has those guys playing, and their their way they share the ball and move the ball is like, it's like it's like it's like me watching Villanova. It's like an orchestra. It's like they believe in the extra pass and they keep the defense guessing all the time. They believe in that kick. They believe in that extra bounce pass, getting guys open and open and creating for others. And even their bench has been phenomenal. Cameron Payne has has been. Fantastic, Cam Johnson, for line alum. He's been he's been good off the bench, and those guys are, are all on the same page, and that's the key in the playoffs. You got to be on the same page, and you got to be able to take losses but bounce back with a
3: win. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes
2: once you have that first loss in a series, you kind of lose momentum, you, you lose that that confidence. Uh, but the Suns, they went through, they haven't went through a real test yet because of course the Lakers AD has been injury in and out of lineup, out of game yeah. five, out of game six so they they haven't really met their real test, but this is a good first round matchup for those guys to prepare mm-hmm. them uh for that deep run
0: i agree I, I agree wholeheartedly it's gonna be an amazing series again I, I have a question mark in the West too because I just don't know any one of those yeah. teams can make it happen. I got the nets yeah. coming out um uh, of the East and it's gonna be fun to watch before i get uh let you out of here uh talk okay. to everybody about the gentleman's corner on Instagram because I just think that it is. A phenomenal thing! What you four you're doing with you know your uh, John and Paul and Rakia and yeah. people definitely need to follow you four on Instagram. It's more than just you four you know getting on Instagram live and just talking. You all are laying out some deep truths to men, to women, to families, to kids. Yeah. Uh, talk about how you uh, became a part of, of this amazing thing that I enjoy watching. Uh, as well as other people and the
2: inspiration behind it. Uh, I get emotional.
0: I I just got to my eyes. I I get
2: emotional talking about uh, Gentleman's Corner because it's part of my life now. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, people ask me all the time. They send me messages about the show and how was it formed and how would I transition to being with these four guys. But it's really... It's really, it's really special. I mean, you know, how it started for me was I, so prior to me being a part of the Gentleman's Corner, I didn't know McClain and Paul. I didn't know those two guys. Mm-hmm. I only knew John because John's nephew played for Steve Hall, uh, Jared uh, Broden, uh, mm-hmm. he plays for them. And me and John always had stayed in contact. Of course, he's out on the West Coast, I'm on the East, and he was supposed to come out this past season to a game, but COVID. Uh, so me and John always had that relationship. And then when I had my live shows every day, Monday, Friday, uh, Global Sports Entertainment, I had John on as a guest one time. Mm-hmm. And our connection, our delivery, our chemistry, us two, uh, was just special. Yeah. And, you know, he was just on my show. We talked sports. We were talking NBA playoffs at the time. last uh, Two years ago, when I mean, a year ago, when Celtics and Raptors played, Celtics went up winning in seven. And... Uh, they they launched in August, sometime in August, and then John reached out to me in September, sometime, and it was like uh it was like it was something I couldn't turn down. I mean, you know, it had nothing to do with what comes with it. it had nothing to do with uh, 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 what I bring to the table, me personally. It was what John's vision was for the show, and then once I met Paul McLean and their vision for the show back in September of mm-hmm. uh, last year, it was sort of like uh, uh, a match made in heaven. And we didn't know what was going to come with the Gentleman's Corner. Uh, you know, John and Paul and, and, and McLean's vision was, hey, look, if there are five, ten people here, then we'll just talk in front of five, ten people. Yeah. And But, you know, we had a lot of guidance during the way. You know, we were fortunate to have uh, someone that was there uh, to sort of put their stamp on how to go through this Field, how to go through the journey of the Gentleman's Corner, uh, Mm -hmm. what to expect for his topics, the audience, how to deal with the audience, how to deliver with the audience. So we went through a lot of those early bumps and bruises and we had that. Yeah. Uh, What's special to me is you take four guys uh, from all four different states who's never met each other in real life physically, uh, which is coming soon. Um that's four. what blows
0: me away is how and I'm sorry to interrupt again. that's what blows me away is that you four have not met each other yet in real life, and the connection yeah. between the four of you all is there
2: it took it took a, it took time uh but for me personally when I first got there, the transition was really easy uh
0: mm-hmm. because I you
2: know me talking being is what I do but
0: four guys
2: all in four ages, and for me as a youngest, you know I have a voice now because I can deliver to the next generation of guys, or next generation of athletes, or next generation of men and women, or up and coming, or who is nineteen and getting ready to turn twenty, or seventeen ready to be legal with eighteen. So, you know, I have a voice, and look, to be quite honest with you, my transition of being of doing that mm-hmm. was hard. It was really, it was really difficult for me because here I am going from being a host of my own show, Gold Sports mm-hmm. Entertainment, from being. The voice and commentary being that main league guy talking, calling games, to now not being that and not being the voice Mm -hmm. and not be able to do what I do best and that's deliver as a host or as a a, a play-by-play guy. So for me, I had to adjust again because during my broadcasting career so far, I've had to take that backseat role and be a color commentary guy.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Now, is color commentary what I want to do? No. Play-by-play is. But you have to take the bumps with the bruises. Yeah. And when I, you know, when I was a color commentary, I tried to do the best I could as a color commentary. But I know play by play, being the voice is my is my bread and butter. Same thing with the show. John is the host, the intentional host. Let me throw that in there. Because this is something that he definitely definitely, you can even ask him, it's something he's definitely never envisioned of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he's the host. I'm a co host. I'm behind the scenes sort of. Uh, I'm not the voice. Okay, how can I be the best I possibly can for this show? Mm-hmm. And, look, he's made life easy for me. You know, before IG had the four-way, you know, just us two, there would be times where our chemistry its just like him having on my show again, but it's just flip roles. Now, yeah. he's a host. And he, he's throwing the alley for me to dunk it, and I just deliver. And, you know, we, we, we didn't really have our chemistry issues, but, you know, once we got to that four-way thing, now you're in, including John. I mean, now you're including Paul. I'm sorry. Now you're including how, how can we How can we get the best out of us? to an audience. I love, to that, I love that
0: I love that IG is now developed a four we where all four yeah. you all are in there. Yeah. It's like you all yeah, are in the room together. Just conversation. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny.
2: It's funny. I have one I have one a friend of mine uh with high school he sent me a text private like, Are you
3: guys in the same room
2: for that show? I'm like, no, we just all have and shout out to Paul because man, this guy he was outside of John McLean. He he was a guy that really we connected early and immediately. Uh-huh. Um, and he's been there with me every step of the way. I mean, look, there'll be times where me and Paul would talk every day, calling, and calling, and text message, calling, IG. Like, so it's like my big brother, which he is, and it just flowed. And that would make it so unique because all of us have chemistry with each other privately uh and we do what we do you know paul Paul and McLean, they're like boyfriend and girlfriend they talk every day mm-hmm. john and i talk every day so we're all communicating you know we have our own group chats and stuff so that's unique and and on top of that now we're at a point where okay we've been doing this our yeah. anniversary a year anniversary up in august but it's we always have that mindset how do we get better? How do we, continue to get better how do we continue to grow how do we continue to deliver to an audience and you know numbers I'm not really a numbers guy, but we're making impact on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing for D-Nice to make an impact with CQ for a year and yeah. delivering at home from a music standpoint and mm-hmm. CQ after dark. But it's another thing when you have four guys coming together, talking about uncomfortable uh, conversations, and we deliver to an audience of our own. And, and it's we're in
0: hunters. the chats. It's in the chats. And I know, I know yeah. it, the chats go by so fast yeah. when you all are doing your thing, but I promise yeah. you the impact that you four are making – because yeah. I, I don't check I just, that often. I just, you know, Paul comes out with his little, you know, costumes and his props and everything, and it's hilarious. It's, it's like a huge it's icebreaker. Funny. But when you all get on topic about different deep conversations that need to be talked about, that
3: no, uh, you, you hear
0: know. you hear people that have a broader uh, platform that they don't want to talk about. Y'all talk about mental health. Y'all talk about single fathers. You talk about um, displaced families. Y'all talk about mental health and well wellness. Y'all go there. But the way that you four go there is so relatable. And shout out to you four, because it has helped me when I communicate with my husband. It's helped me communicate with my nephews who just moved here almost six months ago. Um, I I just applaud what you four bring to the table and different perspectives on it. Thank you. What's
2: funny with Paul is that when he first broke out the props for each show, (laughs) This was probably back in October or November. Mm. I said, Dude, we have like six, seven, eight more months of shows. <laughs> he all, you know, in the early stages he always try to up himself each week, mm-hmm. doing better from last week's problem. And I said, I told him one time, I said, dude, we're gonna be on national airways for the next eight months. Yeah. You you can't outdo yourself each time, man. Like sooner or later. But in my mind, I don't think he's ever gonna run out of props because the guy is just he's classic he's classy man And look at the end of the day I want to give special thanks to John for throwing it out there to, to Paul and McLean and say hey what do you think about bringing in this young guy um uh, the next generation of because they're all older than me and them saying yeah we let's let's give this guy a shot and for me uh the impact that they have had in my life has been incredible and mm-hmm. We've been through ups together as us four at a gentleman's corner. We've been through some bad times at a gentleman's corner. Me and Paul have got into it privately together. Me and John, these guys, they all hold me accountable. And we all go through, even our own personal lives, but we're always there for each other. And I think that's one of the special things. And McLean has just been like, if God was a human, she would be it. Uh, just, I mean, he's a godfather for a reason. He's, that's why he closes out the show, because he's the closer for a reason. Yeah. And his impact, his presence always felt in a room. And he, he just knows how to speak to the people, man. And the conversations me and McLean have had privately, the phone calls we had, I'm just very blessed to have him in my life. And I can't wait to meet these guys, because uh, it's long overdue. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take four guys that never met each other, and you throw them on IG Live, how's it going to work? Yes. Are these guys going to gonna flow together? How's the chemistry going to be? How's delivery going to be? Is this something that is only going to be on for two months and then they're off? Or are they going to not have Gentleman's Corner anymore? But we've stuck together. We went through these different challenges together. Mm-hmm. And we just having fun with it. But now we're at that point mentally and that mindset of how we get to the next level. How can we take our brand, the Gentleman's Corner,
3: mm-hmm. and put it
2: on another pedestal? And we're still figuring out. we got some things that I won't say because I may get in trouble by HR, a.k.a. Paul. <laughs> uh, we got some we got some things yeah. open up for you guys and we appreciate the love man i mean the messages these guys get including myself after the shows is cool but the people that come and watch every wednesday is what keeps us going the comments keeps us going because it's like we know we have an impact with the audience at home we know mm-hmm. we deliver we 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 rub off on them what we say that affects their personal lives you know like mm-hmm. you said us has helped you with your household, your marriage, your family. And that's what's key. you know. And what another thing that's more difficult for me is I'm not even talking sports. So now you take a guy that's eat, sleep, breathe, sports 24-7, mm-hmm. but now you bring him into a world where it's not sports, and he has to talk about other things that, that may not be comfortable with him. But I love it because mm-hmm. the next generation of kids have to hear these things. Yeah. They have to be ready for what this world has to bring. And if I were to sit here and talk sports 99.9% of the time, yeah,
3: I'll be happy it.
2: Because it's what I love to do. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: the conversations we do have, I'm blessed to be a part of, and I'm blessed to know that I have a voice, and I can make an impact rather as to youth, rather as older men, rather as older women, rather as older women's family members, nephews, cousins. I know I make, I make a difference. My voice is always heard. Yeah. And you know, I'll say one more thing for you know, we get into the next thing, is that where we are now, and of course the clubhouse opening up and us being on clubhouse on multiple different uh, social points. We would have never thought of this, you know, back when we first started, you know, when they brought me on, we were just doing it just because, but as we got month after week, after week, message after message, like, yo, we got something here. Let's just, just, just mm-hmm. keep doing it. And Look, man, we're like a show biz, man. We, we, we ride it out. But when, no, when I'm at home, actually not even at home, I'll give you, I'll give you a funny thing. And I know I, this is crazy, but the moment I knew when this was serious, like Gentleman's Corner for me being on their show or being yeah. on John's show or being part of the crew, when I knew things were serious is when when you if you notice, if you go back to the beginning, first few months of the show, all of our backgrounds were different. Mm-hmm. John always had the backdrop. Yeah. And I were like in our rooms or offices.
3: Mm-hmm. And one night
2: we were all—all all of us were on
3: on a phone call,
2: and we're like, Paul just threw it out to like, hey, what's you guys' addresses? I'm like, my address. I mean, it's my brother. I trust him. Who's my address for. He said, like, look, guys, I'm sending you guys a package, a shipment. Be on a lookout, uh, whatever. And right away, Paul sent me a text. Hey, your delivery supposed to be by Saturday. Be there when it gets there. What is this talking about? And then you know, I opened the box, and it was a, it was our backdrop. And from that moment on, I said, okay. They, they, we're serious about what we're doing. Let, let's let's take it to another game, another level. And that's when you see every Wednesday on the show, we all yeah. have this backdrop and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So that's when I knew things were being serious. But, man, those guys are get enough credit, and I wouldn't be where I am right now in this moment. Probably, maybe. Maybe I'd be better. Maybe I'd be worse if it wasn't for those guys, man. The guidance, the, the, the talks they have with me, the yeah. the knowledge that they gave me, man. Because these are all older guys that have been in the business of, of their own passion.
3: Yeah. You know, Paul has been
2: in IT for over 30 years. You know, McLean has been in the school industry for 30 years. John's been in the business for the business side over 25 years. These are guys that are all different fields, mm-hmm. but they know what comes with the territory of the world I'm about to enter. Of course, right. being a broadcaster, you have what are you going to be working for? A Fortune 500 company. What's a Fortune 500 company? ESPN, Fox Sports, MC Sports, CBS, NBC. These are all NFL networks. These are different. Yeah, different companies that operate like a corporate America so they tell me things I need to hear uh, prepare me for when that time comes and uh, I'm I'm just thankful for those guys and you know I get emotional talking about them because they've meant so much to me on the camera, off the camera, behind the scenes and and my broadcasting words on and off the court Uh, and I'm just thankful for those guys and I just can't wait to meet them and give them a big hug And I still may smack Paul in his bald head but I'm not (laughs) sure yet. I may actually you know I might just give him a hug this time because, you know, we're, we're kind of like Shaq and Charles. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's how people look at us. They look at it like, you guys remind me of Shaq and Charles. In my mind, I'm, you know, I'm Shaq. He's Charles, of course. And uh, we just have fun with it. But I'm just thankful for those guys. And uh, I just can't wait to meet, man.
0: It's just special. Tell the listeners and those that are watching where they can follow you on social media.
2: You can follow
0: me on Instagram at Monty Moss Three, uh,
2: as well as Twitter Monty underscore Moss Three, and you can give you can follow John Copeland at John Copeland Junior Twenty Three. My other co-host Paul Paul G Paul underscore uh, D G T something like that, and you can follow McLean McLean at Rakia L McLean, as well as following the Gentleman's Corner page at The Gentleman's Corner Live, all on Instagram, and um, that's how you can find us. And you know my Instagram's out there, my Twitter's out there, and uh, this was really fun today. Thanks for thanks for having me again.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that you came on. And like I said, and I mean it with everything in my soul, when you go and you continue on with your passion, I have a feeling, and I know that it's going to come to pass, your name is going to be up there in broadcasting greatness. Um, really? Because you can tell every single time that you talk about a game, where you talk about a player, whether you're um, some words that resonates with somebody, Um, you're going to, you're going to be recognized for what you do because you love what you do and it comes, it protrudes out of your voice. And so I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the gems that you dropped on this show today. Um, they inspired me, a 48 year old who started this podcast journey in August during the pandemic. Well, bless your heart. Thank you. Well, um, you know, for you. you, (laughs) You know, and look, you, you've always,
2: even before you always give me my flowers, but now let me give you your flowers because what life has taught me so far these last few months, life is short. You know, people are dying, not not just the side of COVID, but people out here are, are losing their lives. You know, shout out to prayers still go out to Jared Clark's family. Uh, I didn't know him personally, but I had a few opportunities to be in clubhouse with him on the stage. We were talking basketball and stuff, and the guy. I got a chance to meet him. Uh, he had a basketball tournament down in Jersey uh, Jersey Shore AU tournament um, at Hoop Group, got a chance to meet him. and I sent his mother a message, his mother video. I mean, I'm pretty sure the love she's getting, but life is short, and people have all these things to say when someone is gone. Uh, but where's the love when that person is here?
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, so for you, look, I'm honored to be here on this platform with you. I'm honored to be on your show. Like I said, to get a second call to come back on means a lot to me because that must mean I'm doing something right. And I know we come on here and talk sports, but we talk about all the things that we keep it 100. But for you,
3: with what you've done and I've been following and listening to the different episodes of different guests that you have had on,
2: it's never too late, one. And two, your passion for what you want to do. I can, I'm I feel that and I'm through a camera I feel your presence I feel your energy I feel your emotion on certain topics and that's what's going to keep the guests coming back and that opens many doors and for me whatever I can do to get whatever guests I I can get on or wherever my connection is I'll be my honor because you you are very talented and you know your stuff it's funny my big bro Tori he said when I prior to me when we did our when we had our podcast together, Champions Club, uh, which is streamed on all platforms also, and I was and he gave me that phone call and said, I want you to be the host of this of this platform. And of course that comes a lot of territory because he's that former
3: NFL guy. He's had a great college football success. Mm-hmm. And that comes a lot of stuff. He said, KYS and I said, What does KYS mean? And and I'm gonna curse on this platform, know your shit. And exclamation
2: point, exclamation point, exclamation point, on all caps, K-Y-S. And you know, and you know K-Y-S. And that's really important because it's easy for anybody to get a mic, get a microphone, and start talking about whatever. But it's different when you know your stuff mm-hmm. and you set up your guest for them to deliver. It's just like broadcasting. I'm going to, you know, I'm calling the game and you're going to be my broadcast partner. I have my job, my duty to prepare you to throw you in situations where you can deliver and be great to the audience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, for example, you know, hey, you know, there's a TV timeout. Norris coming out of this timeout how to? what do the Phoenix Suns need to do on this next possession coming up? Boom, there's the an alley hoop. And there you come. Yeah, Monty, I think what they need to do is, oh, I've run a set through Chris Paul and get down to DeAndre on a low block and you let him go to work. Let They have to play through him. You know, Chris Paul is struggling from the field. They have to get him going. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's a job as a play-by-play guy. Delivering. It's... Broadcasting is telling a story, but I'm just telling it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it, it's like, hey, swing out left corner, knocked away, drive into the other lane, and oh, drop the hammer, things of that nature. And it's just like a host. It's your job to set up your guests with different questions, different topics, that's so that when it's their time, they deliver. And you do a hell of a job of it, and you're special, and you have a talent. This is a. It may not have been something you wanted to do when you were younger or in high school or in college, but yeah, I noticed listening to your episodes that you're having fun with this. And as long as you're having fun through the process, all that matters. Because it'd be different if you were here like, do I really want to do this? No. Do I really all right, let's get it over. Mm-hmm. But no, you having fun with this and are uh, you doing your thing? And I want to give you your flowers while you're here because uh it's special and it's what we're supposed to we're supposed to tell that person, hey, keep going. All right, no, 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 don't worry that you're struggling right now. Let, let's let's get right.
3: Yeah. Uh, let's
2: figure it out. Let's turn this corner and, and go. And I think, I think in today's world, you don't see that enough from you know people my age or even people in general on helping that next person. That's what right. I'm all about. If, if there's an opportunity for me to help you or come into your life to make an impact or come into your life to help you through this journey that you're about to go on, I'm 100 stamp approved, all in.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think people don't do that enough today.
2: And I, I think people don't talk as much as they should. You know, us as men I we hold in so many things. Uh, we hold in things that we don't want to talk about to our peers or our mm-hmm. friends or our family because we feel embarrassed we feel ashamed of telling the bad. We tell all the good. Mm-hmm. but We don't talk about our struggles. We don't talk about what I'm going through. We don't talk yeah. about things that's on my heart. And I think us as
3: men, uh, we have to do
2: a better job of that. And that's what we try to do in a gentleman's corner. Us four, we talk about how we really feel sometimes on the show. Mm-hmm. As you can see, there's been times when John has cried. There's been times where I have cried. There's been times where you know, Paul has been emotional. There's been times where McLean has cried. But these are things that we should do on a daily. Check up that's in funny. on your people. Check up in on your brothers. Check up in on your sisters. Hey, I saw so you. Call me you know, I'm really against, that's probably my own personal opinion. And that's be my last thing I say. I'm against talking to someone once every three weeks or once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm against that. If you're my dog, if you're my brother, if you're my family, and someone I- and my best friend, and I love you, and, and we're in this together, you're my dog. Look, it may not be every day, but yeah. every other day. I, hey, how you doing? You all right? How you feeling? I was talking about it. What's on your mind? That's me. Mm-hmm. But
3: my mission,
2: rather than when I'm on a gentleman's corner or whatever, how can I make that same feeling, that same impact to
3: others? Like, mm-hmm. check up
2: on your loved ones. See how they doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm against talking to family members once every three months. I'm against yeah. talking to somebody in general once every three months. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things happen within a three month time span. You yeah. Know what I'm so agreed. that my that's that's my message out there to everybody that I'll be watching, I'd be listening, check them in your loved ones. If you have any relationships, repair them and, and and if you really support somebody, be there for them when those dark storms come. You know, a lot of people want to be in your life for all the sunny sunshine and the glory and the gold, but when you go through those dark times when that storm is... crazy.
0: 2020 was now. a continual storm, yes.
3: yes. yes. But there's some of the storms that storms are going hard. in
0: 2021. We still yeah. need to check up on one another. Yes. I so agree with you. Money loss, yeah. you're, you're a gem. You are an absolute delight. You are mad talented. I'm so glad that you said yes to coming back on the show. Anytime. I know this just will not be... I'm going to put this out there right now. I would like to do uh, an NBA draft episode with you. Because we got some great ones that are coming to uh, the, the the NBA that are going to be drafted in the upcoming draft. Hopefully yes. the lottery falls our way. Detroit Pistons needs all the help that we can get, but we'll cross that bridge uh, later on in, in the broadcast. So I'm extending the invitation now to you. We got to do an NBA one. Honor. Done. Okay. I, I, I might have to just call my my agent and
2: figure out what the numbers are going to be. <laughs> There's going to be a time frame where I'm going to be getting paid by appearances on different people's shows. So listen, I may have to call my agent Bring up bring, hey.
0: bring people all in. I mean, we can do a whole group of, you know, a, a whole session on this. So I can't more than marriage. Do that.
2: I can <laughs> I, I call, I call some guys and we can get that figured out. But uh, like I said before, uh, I'm honored to be here. It's always a privilege to come on your platform. A uh, shout out to all your fans out there. Shout out to all the listeners that listen to this podcast. Not just me, but hers in general. Continue to support her continue to to show her the love that she deserves and uh anytime you need me i'm always a phone call away and i'm blessed to be here so shout out to you shout
3: out to gentlemen's
2: corner crew shout out to my dog brian garvin Chuck brownies my fam and uh shout out to everybody out there uh there's beauty in the struggle people uh you got it's you versus you you know how are you gonna go get it and uh can't wait to be back again so
0: always a pleasure a shout out to every single person that was watching and listening today. We appreciate you. And as I always end the show, take care, stay safe. Be in the know of new episodes that are coming up on the podcast at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I'm also available on Instagram at marisa tigney podcast, on Twitter at LovelyMarisaT, marisa t, as well as Facebook on a social media page. Heard that with Marisa Tigney. I appreciate your continued support.
1: Everything she says is truth. If you don't know, now you know. All you ever gotta say is, Look, all you ever gotta say is.